So, Johnny, this week I thought we'd talk about going abroad. Now, we both travelled, thankfully, due to our entertainment credentials. Uh, first time you went yeah. abroad, where did you go? I went to Wiesbaden in Germany. I, I was with London management at the time, and they decided to send me now to Wiesbaden to do the American bases. Right. Um, and I'd never been abroad before. I was really young, in my late teens and early 20s, something like that. And um, anyhow, they sent me by train. <laughs> So, so I went by train and boat. I thought, right. I don't believe it. So I get there, and I was on 50 quid a week, which I thought was a lot of money in yeah. the 60s. But, of course, Germany was very expensive. I was out of money in two days. <laughs> I mean, breakfast would cost you a bob, you know. Anyway, so I arrived now at this, this place, and I don't know where I'm going to stay. So there was they, they, uh, the, the agent's office was near, near a hotel called the Weisses Ross Hotel. Okay, so I thought, well, I'll stay there then. So I, I go in this place Ross, and I go upstairs. I was a bit run down, and I'd never seen a duvet before because we only had blankets and sheets in those days. <laughs> and I did down. <laughs> so I, I so I run down. I said, hey, nobody, somebody hasn't made the bed. I said, <laughs> <laughs> because it was a duvet, wasn't it? <laughs> so that was the start. And then some of the clubs, it was an amazing experience because sometimes you'd be on with a big orchestra. And sometimes you'd be on with a, a pianist who couldn't read the echo. You know, it was one of those kind of jigs. See? And they'd take you then every every day. They'd pick you up in a car, probably with another couple of artists, and take you to, like, Frankfurt or Mannheim or Heidelberg and just drive you to a gig, you know, with all the American bases. they dotted all about that area of Germany. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget, there was one nicknamed the Snake Pit. <laughs> and the reason was it was segregated. It was black one side and white the other, and they didn't like each other. So they're aiming Coca-Cola cans and, and, and not, and at each other and so on. The band had chicken wire over them to stop the, the band getting thumped with these people throwing stuff across from one side to the other. Anyhow, the next, but the next gig I did was with an all-girl band called Ivy Benson's Band, and they were all girls, like 15 of them. And boy, could they read. They were fantastic. They weighed in this band. So that I had a great time with them. And then they t- take you about in the car and send you all over the blinky place. So that was my first sojourn to anywhere abroad. Mm. You know what I mean? And there was the agent, I always remember, he was a fellow called Charlie Klopp. He was half Cherokee Indian and half German-American. <laughs> and he wanted, to, he wanted to handle me. I want to be your agent, John. He said, I can make you a big star. Take you to Vegas. I said, well, I've just signed with London Management. He said, they won't do anything for you. He was right, actually. They were too great. <laughs> <laughs> but those American bases, they were like little bits of America, weren't they? They were, you know, they had Coca-Cola, they had all the, all the bits. Well, there was a thing called the PX, where they used to go and buy stuff if you were in the in the forces. And you could buy anything from a Coca-Cola to an E-type Jag. And you mm. get all this, like, discount off and stuff, see? Mm. But it was, I mean, Wiesbaden at the time, it was it was a thriving place. There was a place called the Wilhelmstrasse, which was a lovely big, big road. One side was a... Uh, a casino called the, the Spielbank, and the other side was all beautiful cafes and, and, and shops. And we used to sit there in, in the, it was early summer, I remember, we used to sit outside having our Frühstück, which is German for breakfast. And there was all these 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 GIs about, and it was it was a thriving place, you know. Yeah. It was a buzz about the place. Yeah. I only did the, yeah. um, I only did the American bases once, but it, it left its mark. We, we flew in. They flew us in. A little band, and they said all the equipment will be there. Of course, when we got there, most of the equipment wasn't there. So we had to you know, cobble everything together. And we yeah. asked where the stage was, and it was a tank transporter. 
That's what it was, on, <laughs> on the back of a tank transporter. It was a beautiful summer's day, but far too hot. And again, yeah. I mean, most of the soldiers, I think they'd probably signed up when they were drunk back home in Mississippi or whatever. <laughs> so they they didn't want to be there. All they wanted was the barbecue, which was fantastic, yeah. I have to say. And then the, um, the the promoter, he was American-German. He was like he was, he was a funny cross. He was I think he was a German, but he spoke with an American accent. And at the end, he'd arranged for us all to sing a song called Let the Circle Be Unbroken. And we'd never heard it. Um, but it was on the on the list so we just we just sort of like strummed along with, with I think one of the Americans leading it Is it Wiesbaden or Frankfurt where was it? It was in Germany Johnny I don't know I got off the plane and I got back on a yeah. couple of days later and I had no, I, no idea <laughs> I mean, the, the British were based around Cologne see and all the Americans were up around Frankfurt Oh, it must have been that way then. Yeah, we, it was. De- yeah. There were there were definitely no Brits there except the people in the band. And I was by the end of it, I wasn't sure about them anymore. Then we could trust them. Um, but yeah, <laughs> great experiences. I know that you did the the Gibraltar song contest. Now that was on a different level, wasn't it? Because that's all hotels and that's flights and the whole thing. Yeah, well, yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I my my record company sent uh, some demos out to the uh, Gibraltar Festival, and they chose one that I was singing. It was written by Jeff Stevens, the guy that wrote Winchester Cathedral. Um, so they threw me out, put me in the Rock Hotel. It was wonderful. I was my, my first wife at the time. She came uh, and we were there. With There was 15 of us singing, all different. You know, it was all Brits, but they were all singing different songs. Mm. And um, there was a girl, a lovely girl singer. Her name was Rosanella Love Band. And that was a real name. Rosanella Love Band. That wow. was a real name. And she used to sing with Joe. If you, she used to do lots of stuff on the radio with Top of the Pops. Or not Top of the Pops, Parade of the Pops and things like that. And um, her, her husband was a fellow called Doug Henny. He was a great guitar player, bass player. Anyhow, she had two songs in it, and I thought, oh, she's going to win. And she was like, she had a belting voice, Shirley Bassey-ish, you know. Mm. And um, she had uh, two really great songs. So we, we, we all sang, 15 of us sang first. And then they, they whittled it down to, the, to, to 10, I think. Then they whittled it, we had to sing it again. They whittled it down to five. Now I'm still in the five, so is Rosanella. She's got two shows, two songs in it. And I thought, oh, she's going to get this. So anyway, it comes out to the final three. And they go, third is Rosanella with so-and-so. I thought, oh, she's going to have the f- number one as well. Number two is Rosanella with the other one. And number one was me. <laughs> Fantastic. I mean, yeah. when you go on those those sort of like scale of trip, we went went to Hilversum once, Hilversum in, in Holland. Right. And uh, I'd made some gospel type records and basically it was me and two girl singers tracked up. So, but they wanted the yeah. People's Praise Band to come along yeah. and sing. So we, we grabbed about five or six other people and we all went out there. We, and we got out there and they got us white suits because everybody oh, had wow. to be in a white suit. And then they right. had the Royal Dutch Philharmonic Orchestra or something. And so oh, we got wow. there and we'd just been, you know, we'd been rehearsing with a couple of tapes. So suddenly there's this magnificent orchestra all around us. Some people yeah. on the stage with our band had never been on stage before. <laughs>
artists like superstars. And then we came back and caught the bus home. Well, it's like when I left Gibraltar, because I won it. I mean, it's only a small place, Gibraltar. Everybody's at the airport, because they'd all yeah. seen it on the TV. I was like Tom Jones leaving the place. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I tell you, i got to tell you a story. When I was on the ships, I used to do the QE2 a lot, see? And there was, a, there was some right characters, and the maitre d' was Liverpudlian. And he used to try and put the, he used to do the announcement for the food and that, and he put the accent on, see? And he'd go, ladies and gentlemen, May I take this opportunity for reminding you the dinner will be saved at 8.30. <laughs> <laughs> and, and breakfast will be 8.45. See, so <laughs> those are stuff. And it was the, 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 there was the big restaurant. You ever been on the, on the, on the ships? No, yeah. never done the ships. Never right. done the ships. Well, so the, you've got the maitre d', he takes your order, and then you've got the busboy that goes out and gets the food, see? Now, you get a lot of high flyers on these boats, right? And especially on a world cruise, you get, like, older people, and they, they're used to this kind of life. So anyway, this guy now, he says, I'm just going for a, a cigarette, he said to the busboy. Whatever you do, don't serve the customers. You wait till I come back, right? <laughs> Didn't trust him. So anyway, this woman now sees this brother. She goes, uh, whatever his name was, he's a little tag, you know. Uh, John, come here. So he, he has to go over and say, can you tell me what you, um, what would you suggest for dinner? So he said, uh, uh, um, get on the cottage pie, it's boss. <laughs> So the husband said, what did he say? He said, get on the cottage pie, dear, it's boss. <laughs> so he said, well, what about what about this soup? No, don't don't have the soup, it's garbo. <laughs> what did he say? He said, the soup's garbo, dear. <laughs> so what's this souffle? What if some kind of souffle? He said, oh, that's just a bit of sponge cake with a bit of swag chucked over it. I mean, this woman's face. I couldn't believe. I mean, you wouldn't make, couldn't make it up. Oh God! And then I'm coming off the queue. We came into somewhere, and um, I'm leaving the ship at St Martin in the Caribbean. So, but they couldn't dock because it's such a big ship. We're anchored off, and we had to come in on a tender boat. So I'm, I've got my my case on top of the tender boat. I mean, the case falls in the water. I lose all my stuff. <laughs> Everything goes in the water, music, clothes. Oh, God, some of the things happen to me, I don't know. Yeah, no, when, you, when you're on the ship and you're you're an entertainer, are you, yeah. well, it sounds like you're actually in amongst all the all the people on the cruise as well, are you? Well, they treat you like a passenger, see, so you, got, you only do two or three shows a week. I mean, the first time I went on a ship, I couldn't believe it. I was going to Montreal, and I said, when am I working? He said, Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I said, okay, did Thursday when you're working, or you're working next Friday now, you'd like two shows because there's all different acts on board. Yeah. And of course, the same passengers don't want to see the same act every night. So you just do a couple of gigs. What do you do and in the meantime? Be, yeah, well, you've got a lovely cabin, you eat in the restaurant, you're like, you know, you're like a passenger. Wow. But having said that, once you've done your first gig, you're their property, if you like. So everywhere you go, you, you, you stop. Oh, hey, John, love the show last night. That, that, that. Yeah, and of course, as you know, uh, Mal, everybody knows about show business better than you. <laughs> this guy came up to me and said, "Hey, Jan, I, I uh, you know what? I like, I like this play. That song you sung, that that sucked. I don't like it. You know what you want to sing? You want to do And he's giving me all this advice. So I said, "What do you do, sir?" He said, "I'm a gynecologist." <laughs> 
I said, well, you know what they say. If you want to know about show business, ask a gynecologist. And they walked away. You should have seen it. Because <laughs> they do, don't they? They all know better than you. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So that's, those are the, those are the, not the nice trips, but those are trips that are very well organised. Uh, yeah, yeah. What about then going to some of the more far-flung corners on on your own? Now, I know that you went to South Africa. You went to Africa quite a few times, didn't you? And that must have been Swaziland. <laughs> it must have been quite an eye-opener, was it? Well, it was because... Um, I mean, the first time I went to South Africa, I didn't realise it because it was going back in early 70s. It was still apartheid. And I didn't know what apartheid was. I was young, wasn't I? And it, and it was like everything was segregated. There'd be a white bench and there'd be a black bench. There'd be a white lift and a black lift. There'd be a white beach and a black... I couldn't believe this because coming from Britain, you don't you don't see it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really like it, to be honest. Mm. It was felt rather uncomfortable. Mm. But the next time I went back, then I went to the um, independent countries like Botswana, Lesotho and Swaziland. And they had these big hotels up there. The Royal Swazi Spa, it was a wonderful hotel. Um, the, the golf course had been done by Gary Player. And um, and big stars used to appear there, you know. I think, was it Sammy Davis opened it? One of the big stars opened it anyway. Wow. Um, but I'm there with Alwyn, my wife, and um, it caught fire when I was there. <laughs> so I'm in my bedroom now, in my room, and it was I had the ground floor level, that's right, right by the pool. And uh, Alwyn's in the bath. And she said, hey, John, I can feel there's a funny noise under this bath. She said, I don't know what's going on, like a rumble. So I, I, and I could hear people running about in the passage. So I go out in the passage, and there's a, this, this black woman, and one of the maids, she's screaming, she said, get out, get out, there's a fire. And what had happened, one of the big gas canisters had exploded in the, in the kitchen, and the whole place was going up. Wow. So I said to all, I went, right, get the clothes and the music out onto the lawn, <laughs> we're out of here. See, so she, we're dragging all the stuff out. All the money I'd accumulated before I got there from the other gigs, I had in the safe. So I rush into the foyer and the girls, I said, I got to open the safe. I got my passports and my money. She throws the keys at me and runs off. I could have opened everybody's. <laughs> so I got my money and I got the whole wing went up. Wow. They sent for the, um, the Swazi, <laughs> the Swazi, uh, what do you call it? The fire brigade. They turned up without any water. <laughs> So you have to take the water out of the, out of the swimming pool. <laughs> and, that, and the worst thing, the, the following week, I still had to do my gig. There were two hotels next to it, which were the same complex. So I did my gig then in the in Yezelwani, which was the other hotel down the road. But it was basically the restaurant, which was looked like a bit like a self-service bloody cafeteria, right? Anyhow, who's following me in was an American comedian called um, Shelley Berman. So the boss said, who, he, was, he was a fellow called Gerald Sadley, who was frightfully posh. He says, come and see John working. He said, yeah. he said I can't work here, it's a cafeteria. <laughs> anyway, so I did my gig and they were a good audience. And uh, I sang a Welsh song with Alwyn. He said, gee, I love that ethnic number. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, was, that, was this, that was Swaziland. And when else did I work after that? I went all over the blinking play. But one of the best gigs, I think, Australia did Australia. You ever do Australia with the band? We are telling now that you tell me. Are you show me yours and I'll show you mine. Okay. Well, I I, I did a gig for a, an agent called Line Labrams in Sydney. So I fly out now to Sydney and um, he's got all these gigs, like the, the South Sydney Juniors Club. Now, these are rugby clubs, okay? But anything like our rugby clubs is no comparison. There's like 201 armed bandits in one room, a swimming pool and a restaurant, and it's like huge, and a big cabaret room with a 10-piece band. <laughs> People like Neil Sadaka have been there the week before. Do you know what I mean? So I, I'm doing all these lovely gigs. 
Anyhow, they send me up country now with uh, Jerry Marsden of the Pacemakers. And I forget where we went. We had to go through Wagga Wagga. I thought they'd made that up. And we, and we get to this club and um, I said, where's the band? And it was a Maori band. And all they're doing is like hitting like big logs and that, see? So I said, where's the... So I got a pianist and this guy hitting logs. That's my back end back. So, <laughs> like so being back in the clubs at the valleys, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So on the way back, right, it's dark. And all of a sudden, the driver says, you wouldn't read about it, would you? I said, what's happened? The lights have gone out. So he gets out of the car and two stones have simultaneously smashed the headlights. So we got no lights. We can't drive anywhere because there's no street lights. You're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So you had to sit there till the sun came up. Wait for the place. He said, if I keep going, he said, I'll hit one of the kangaroos. He said, I got to stop. <laughs> so, I mean, that was unbelievable. But some of the gigs were really good. Go on, you're Australian. All right, well, yeah, well, I went with Max. Um, it was 1987. It was a funny old year. I had a couple of songs recorded by Cliff Richard and the Hollies, and I got through to the Song for Europe final, and none of them had come through. And right. uh, I was feeling a bit sorry for myself. I had a phone call from Max. He said, uh, Mal, uh, the boys, me and the boys are going out to um, do a tour of Southeast Asia. Do you want to come with us? I thought it was a godsend, isn't it? So got on the plane, uh, landed in Hong Kong. Have you done Hong Kong? Yeah, I went via Hong Kong. No, yeah, via Hong Kong. So I went Pan Am from London, Hong Kong, Hong Kong to, to um, Sydney. And on the way back, I came the other way back via Los Angeles. Oh, it's great when you used to fly into Kai Tak through the, you know, you could see everybody oh, in, wa- it, in all the washing and everything. It frightened the life out of me before they built the new airport. You had to cut. It was like this. <laughs> so we arrived and we, we we did a couple of gigs in a couple of hotels, Harbour Harbour yeah. View, uh, Kowloon. That was lovely. Uh, China Fleet Club, the the golf club, and it was my it was my birthday while I was out there in, yeah. the, fir- in the first week in Hong Kong. And I, it was one of those things I didn't want to tell anybody, but the, the longer the day went on, uh, the more disappointed I was that nobody was saying happy birthday. Anyway, somebody phoned home and they said, oh, it's Mal's birthday today. So Max took us out uh, onto Kowloon. Onto we went to this Vietnamese restaurant. I remember going down these stairs. There's a Hammond organ, a lot of Vietnamese people, some Chinese people, and us. Uh, there was Max and the band and a lady called Eve Graham. And um, it was like a karaoke bar, but without the karaoke, it was just a Hammond organ. So... We sort of monopolised the night, really. And yeah. I remember Eve Graham got up and I played, I'd like to teach the world to sing. Nothing. Nothing. No reaction from the crowd at all. Max mm. got up. This is a true story. He undid his shirt. Mm. He told everybody he was Tom Jones. He sang the green, green grass of home and we didn't buy a beer or chips all night. <laughs> it was it was fantastic. It was, then we went to Korea. Korea was really interesting, flying across the Mekong Delta. I remember yeah. me. Now, the other funny thing was in Hong Kong, I was staying that my best friend, the guitarist, is a guy called Peter King. Right. Well, of course, we're in Hong Kong and, and I'm staying with P. King. You know? oh. <laughs> so, every time he said it, people thought he was taking the mickey. Even Elvis yeah. Chan, who was our who was our waiter at one stage, Elvis Chan. I remember yeah. poor old Elvis because there was four of us from Swansea there. We got little Elvis and going, come on, Elvis, give us a song. Give us a song. Yeah. In the end, he said, me, tender, me, Drew. We gave him a <laughs> big tip. Did you go to the Philippines? Did you go to the Philippines? No. Have you done the Philippines? Yeah, I was coming back from Australia. So the agent said, if you want to go, do you want to do a gig on the way home to the Philippines? I said, well, he said, it's ready. He said, because it's American-based, I'll give you cash. Dollars. Dollars. So I said, okay. He said, he said, but be careful. The Philippines, they all carry guns. In the old days, they did, see. He said, so when you get in there, wait for the agent to pick you up. His name's Ascot. No, what was he called? Ching Imperial. Wow, what a name. Sounds like a, <laughs> sounds like a toilet Imperial. bowl. Sounds like something you yeah. see in a loo. <laughs> I know. So I arrive at the airport, this big black limo turns up and the window goes, bzzz, get in, bzzz. I'm like, get in. 
He takes me to some hotel. He says, okay, I'm taking you up country tomorrow to work to in Subic Bay. Subic Bay was when the big American aircraft carriers used to come in, see. So he said, uh, we got you somewhere to stay up there. So they take me up to Subic Bay. And there was a flat they used to give to the artists, but there were, the girl singer from the week before was still in it. So I said, well, where am I going to stay tonight? So I had this bloke called Gus, who was my driver. He said, I find somewhere. I find somewhere for you, sweetheart. So he finds this place, and it's, it turned out, that I go in, there's, there's no window in this room, and it was boiling hot. You know what the Philippines, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. steaming. Yes, yes, yes. I said, I can't live in this. Anyway, I, I left the light on all night, and I had a fan. I got up in the morning, I was in a brothel. That's where they put me up, in this bloody whorehouse. <laughs> Unbelievable. And then he said, you talking about Vietnam. He said, do you want to go to Vietnam? I said, what do you mean? He said, we drop you in an helicopter. He said, what we do is they, they hover and so they can't get you with the heat missiles. And then they drop you into the clear. I said, no, are you doing that? I said, I'm going home. <laughs> <laughs> You've reminded me about the Philippines. I was in, the, we were in the hotel bar in uh, this Harbour View and we'd done a gig and it was a lovely gig. And then we came back in and there was this lovely Filipino band. Beautiful. Yes. I mean, they, and they were brilliant musicians, lovely singers. You know, they copy everything, but perfectly. Yeah, it was like Lionel Richie, the whole lot. Anyway, we, so we, yeah. we sat around afterwards and we, 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 um, we bought each other drinks and all that. I think we probably had a tab, to be honest. Anyway, we got the drinks and uh, we started talking and the, the drummer said, um, so where, where are you boys from? We said, we're from uh, Great Britain. He said, so where in Britain? He said, we come from a place called Wales. He said, north or south? This is, this is Ray, the Filipino drummer in, uh, yeah. well, South Wales. He, he said, where in South Wales? He, uh, we said, well, Swansea. He said, oh, my wife comes from Trevor Road. He'd married, a, he'd married a Welsh girl. And in fact, the next time I saw him, it was back home in Swansea. He was playing in, in a jazz band. <laughs> Hello, Ray. <laughs> it's a small, small world. Yeah, we went, to, well, we went to Australia and New Zealand with Max. And it was just, those par- we did the Parramatta Rugby Club or Rugby League Club. Oh, and I, as I you, did Parramatta. Did you? It's where all the, all, the, all the car showrooms are Parramatta. Oh, I mean, just as you say, just phenomenal size. Oh, huge. We yeah. followed, we followed a, a magician. <laughs> Max followed a magician <laughs> and all the way through his act we'll have to get Max on because he'll, he'll probably tell the story much better but yeah. all the way through the because the because the magician you, you know there were f- pigeons flying doves flying everywhere and every every time Max told a gag or something or told a story he'd just go like this <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was a it was a life life changing I remember f- we flew over the mountains of China and I thought to myself it's a big world Johnny Tudor oh, it's a very right, big world you, you- and if you fly out of Sydney and you go the other way back, yeah. you're flying over Australia for like six hours. It's yes. so big. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. I, I went, as I say, I came back by uh, um, Los Angeles then. So I went r- right around the world, around the world. on Pan oh. It was called Flipper Flight One. I think. I mean, oh. I'll never forget it. But I liked Australia. I liked the Australians. I liked the audiences. They were a bit like the Welsh audience. They yeah. like you. They give you a, a you know, yeah. great send off. No, I really enjoyed it. Actually, with Max. Even though we were in Australia, it was a Welsh audience. I mean, it was that was yeah. amazing. Oh, Everywhere course, we went, you know, we had tins of Welsh cakes, people in tears. Yeah. We kept on bumping into people from... I remember we held... It was because Max went there in 87, because it was the Rugby World Cup. And I remember yeah. I held the held the plane up in um, in Auckland. They said, where, why are you, where have you been? I said, well, I'm talking to the guy on the counter. He's from Brynavrid. He's from he's from my home, you know. From, and, yeah. and actually, it ended up in Perth, which is the most isolated city in the world, so they say. And... Um, that afternoon, I met somebody I'd, I was in school with, just in a toy shop. I thought it's crazy. Isn't it? yeah, Do you know what? I was I was in well, a couple of things have happened to me. I was in Australia walking down Bondi Beach, right? And who, who's coming towards me is is, is um, Jerry, 
Jenny the Peacemakers. Hello, lad, how's it going? Because I'd worked with him in Liverpool, see? I mean, yeah. you don't expect to see people who know that far away, do you? No, it's, 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 lo- it's a lovely feeling as well. What's now the they- area in Swansea with his upper or lower? Oh, come to yeah, there's a lovely story. You reminded me of it about the bloke that wants to go. He wants to go to some Himalayan village right in the middle of nowhere. So he goes to come to and he goes to the station. He says, I want to go to this place in the Himalayas. Oh, you'll have to get a train from here to Cardiff first, he said. He said, All right, okay. And then get a train from there. So he goes to Cardiff. And he says, I want to go to this Himalayas. All right, you get a train to London and then you'll have to get another train, flight from there. And eventually he gets to this little village in the middle of nowhere. Right? And he has enough now, he wants to go home. So he sees this, he said, he, broke. he said, I want to go home, he said. I want to go to come Turk, he said, up or lower, sir. That's <laughs> <laughs> lovely, isn't it? <laughs> Do you know what you've reminded me now? Because I, I did a tour once, with, well, a couple of tours with a guy called Art Garfunkel. And it's oh, very, I think I know who he is. Very but the thing is, <laughs> yeah. you know, so there's a there's a different level of of right when you when you were booked to do those hotels, you get a yeah. flight and you get paid for doing it. So when you're in rock and roll, and they offer you a support tour, sometimes you have to buy yourself onto it. So you have to pay them to be on it. Oh wow! And if not, they they give you the gigs and you get to the gigs yourself. So we got we know if it were luckily sometimes they had a tour bus, other times they didn't. So I remember we did a gig in um, in Italy. Well, actually, it's a place called Campione, which is across the Ooh, border. Who pays you then if you have to do your own gig? Exactly, it's... nobody. You have to. Oh uh, I, I mean, at the end of every gig, I'd be out there with my bag of CDs, you know, and uh, you know, wow. advertising them and selling the CDs. And uh, yeah, yeah. thank God it it worked out. But it was a you know it was a it was a great break. It was I told lots of stories about it since, but it was worrying a worrying time. So I was in Lake Como. And um, they were all catching a flight from Milan to to Prague, and, yeah. and I had to get to I had to get to Prague. I had three days to get to Prague. I mean, so how do you do it? Well, you know, I got grabbed my guitar, my suitcase. I walked to the railway station. And yeah. I said, "Can I? I'd like to buy a ticket. You know, I'd like to buy a ticket to Prague, please." Mm. And they did it. I mean, they went. You know, through the Alps. You know, I think it was uh, Stuttgart. Then, then I got on a sleeper train from Stuttgart to Prague. And it was a it was a shared compartment. So there were two American young students and a, a, a Czechoslovakian guy who was deaf, but he hadn't been back since 1968. And so you all say, you know, you get talking and what are you doing? It's 68 and we're on. Yeah. And so I'm there with my guitar, you know, on the sleeper train. Say, what are you doing? I say, I'm, I'm on I'm on tour with Art Garfunkel. I mean, nobody nobody believed me, did they? They think you'd be travelling in a limousine. <laughs> so, uh, but it was a great, you know. Um, sometimes the you know the journey is actually better yeah. the, the longer it takes and the, and the more oh, twists right. and turns. They sent me when I did the one in Wiesbaden. The agent decided to send me to Naples to do the NATO base. So he didn't send me by plane. He sent me by train. So I'm on a train now, which took forever to get to Naples through Switzerland. The works. We're going through Switzerland, and the um, the food or the restaurant went on strike. So I had no food. By the time I got there, I'm dying of hunger, right? And uh, I get to there and I'm doing the NATO base was great because it was the the officers in the NATO base. And um, then they said, You've got to do a show for the Bluebirds. He said, I said, Where are they? Oh, that's the Navy Club down on the pier head. So I go down there and um, there's four MPs on the corner. Every corner of the stage is a, a bloke stood with a gun. See? I said, What's this about? He said, Oh, they've got to be there. He said, Because um, they, you know, they, they get a bit drunk, the sailors, and they try to grab the, grab the performer, especially if it's a girl, you know. So, oh, that's bloody good, isn't it? Anyway, the band come in and they can't read a word of English or they can't speak English and they don't read the music. I said, well, how am I going to do this? So 
the girl singer could speak a bit of English. She said, "They uh, read uh, tonic sol fa." <laughs> I said, "What? Well, don't read me." I said, "Yeah." So I got like the sheet music, and it's got, as you know, C, G, F, whatever. And she is translating this now. She's going do, and she's, and they played it, and they did all my set with her translating. And how oh, the hell they did it, I'll never know in my life. Fantastic it was. You know, the, the thing is, as you say, you, you know, a lot of people collect money yeah, and, and good on them. Well done to them. Uh, but if you do this sort of life, you do collect stories, don't you? You collect people along the way, you know? Yeah. I went to do an album in Nashville and then we had a Sunday off, me and Nigel Hopkins from Forest Farch. So we thought we're never going to be here again. So let's go down to Memphis. Went down to Memphis on a Sunday and we, we did the tour, you know, Graceland, the whole lot. It was fantastic. Uh, yeah, we went to yeah. see some studios. Six weeks later, I'm back there doing a TV programme. And then another couple of weeks later, I'm back there doing a radio program. I went back three times in one year. But I, I was writing a song along the journey uh, in the Deep South about gospel music. And uh, outside um, the, uh, on Main Street, where Elvis bought his first guitar in Tupelo, there's a hardware store. He came here with his mum. He wanted to buy a rifle. She said, if you buy a guitar, I'll go halves with you. So he bought a guitar. Painted table on Mississippi to see a poor man's two-room shack. Well, I came to see the birthplace of the king. And the more I get to know him, as the story gets rolled back, it was gospel music made the poor boy sing. Made Elvis sing. And the lady who was there, she was fantastically, we became very friends, a big friend, Pat Raspberry. She said, Mal, you've got a lovely voice. I said, well, thank you very much, Miss Pat. And she said, you must come back and judge our Elvis Presley Songwriting Festival. I thought, well, that's lovely, oh, wow. you know, and I thought, well, that's, yeah. you know, that's never going to happen. Anyway, next year I went back, uh, wow. you know, went down into Tupelo and, uh, and you know, got to meet all of Elvis's aunties and his cousins and people oh. he'd been to school with and made a radio program about it. Uh, you know, met some of the Memphis Mafia, you know, people like Jerry Schilling, who'd been with him all the way through that, you know, yeah. that, the Vegas years. And then I did a, a, a safari, a cultural safari with Tad, the cultural safari guy, he had a pink Cadillac. And uh, we were going around all these unusual places. So we went to a juke joint. Do you know what a juke joint is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's like there's whiskey and there's there's you know, blues and it's it's from the Delta. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. Uh, it was Wild Bill's juke joint, and Wild Bill was at eighty five or something like that. And we were waiting for him to come, and I'm trying, I'm trying to make conversation. But obviously, you know, this little bit of you know, I'm very white. And, yeah. you know, the cultural thing in the Deep South, it, it's, it's still there. So I'm trying my best to be friendly, you know. And, yeah. and so, uh, Wild Bill, I said, uh, uh, how is he? And they said, he's 85. I said, he's, uh, why do they call him Wild Bill then? And they said, well, he, he likes his music wild. He likes his whiskey <laughs> wild. He likes his women wild. And I said, oh, I said, he's 85. Is he still wild? <laughs> you know, trying to be. And he said, well, yeah. he doesn't drink so much whiskey anymore. <laughs> One more then from me, just uh, going down to Clarksdale in the Delta. Clarksdale's where uh, Robert Johnson sold his soul to the devil so he could play yeah. great blues guitar. And so I was in this, and it was a great, great service. And the, the voice of the, of the, the guy who led the, the singing was like, oh, it was just, it was like right out of Africa. In the middle of what appeared to be a normal service, this man jumped to his feet. An incantation rose and just took over. Oh, 
was obvious that despite the 400 or so years these people have been linked to America, the song connected them to another land deep in their consciousness. And the, the vicar was great, the pastor, uh, the Reverend Willie Morganfield, and uh, he used to do this thing called hooping, so you half preach and you half sing, so you well, Lord says, ooh, yeah, and it was, yeah, brother. And it was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I've a chat with him afterwards, and it turns out the Reverend Willie Morganfield is Muddy Waters' his first cousin. So, so Muddy Waters went to the dark side, as they say, and the Reverend yeah, William yeah, Morganfield yeah. became a preacher. But they started, didn't they, these people, in, in, the, in the gospel, singing Absolutely. in the church and that. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And they went to one place. Oh, this is, this is two more stories. Two more stories. Um, uh, we, a couple of years later, I'm back doing a radio program for Radio Wales. This, uh, this blues guy comes in. He's come down. He's, uh, he's really good. And his name is Willie Morganfield. He's Muddy Waters' his son. So he yeah. walks. He walks into the studio. He's tuning up and says, "Oh, hi, hi, Willie. I know your uncle Willie from Clarksdale." <laughs> <laughs> it, it opens your eyes when you travel, though, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. I mean, you learn so much. Yeah. You know, you, you go around the world, you meet different peoples, and and they are. I'm most of them are salt of the earth. They're great, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they take you into their homes, give you food, and all this, you know. And particularly when there's music involved or entertainment involved, people just, you yeah. know, it, it, I know they call it the international language, but it, it absolutely is. I remember being, we did a, a restaurant in Wellington after one of Max's gigs. It was a, it was a Chilean restaurant and the, the, the waiters used to sing to entertain the audience. And, and we got up and said, we, can we do a song? We did a Spanish song called Lo Siento Mi Vida. It was by uh, Linda Ronstadt. And again, you know, there were tears when we left. Nobody was allowed to pay. We had we had beers all night. It was just fantastic. And that's what uh, that's. What, we've been very lucky, Johnny Tito. The first time I went to Spain, my old man. I was only a kid. I was about what, fifteen, and my old man was a pianist, of course. And we we walked in. This is Benidorm, and there was hardly anything there then. There was about three hotels, and we we passed this little bar, and we go in, and there's a piano in a corner, and there's nobody in there. Hardly any couple. The old man gets on the piano. It was full in half an hour people heard music and they're all in there yeah it's, it's kind of it's like a magnet isn't it music it is it absolutely is people love it and um it, it reminds me now i i say that we're lucky but uh, yeah. i was I had a little chat with win calvin after we did his his program oh, we're blessed, he says, that's right he said i was i was ken dodd's mother three times and when i used to tell ken that we were lucky he said no 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 win we are blessed we are blessed. <laughs> hey, we're lovely to see you. We have been. We certainly are. Right then. Well, it's. Uh, I, I'm not. We've still plenty of stories to tell. But for today, uh, it's goodbye from him, and it's goodbye from you. See you soon. <laughs>